0: Welcome to the Cast. This is the podcast where expats share their stories about fitting in, standing out, and every mishap on the journey to finding home abroad. I'm your host, Nicole. Before we dive into today's episode, I have a couple quick pieces of information or updates. First off, it is still forg- forg- f- Fogapadfo. Fogapadfo. It is still Fogapadfo. <laughs> that is the fourth ever annual... Ger- no... Fourth ever Germany expat podcasters advent donation face off. There it is. So for the fourth year in a row, Sean of the Germany experience and I are going head to head. What? Wait, that's not true. That was absolutely instinct. Oh my gosh. Well, wow. um, Sean and I from the Germany experience are not going head to head. We've, we've dropped our rivalry and we're going forth as, as collaborators. And um, this year we're collaborating to raise money for a charity that we chose called prison chat Ukraine so this is like a crisis hotline for Ukrainian children and teenagers it's just a whatsapp number that they can contact and then they get free therapy in their mother tongue so they can choose from Russian or Ukrainian. We'll be raising money for this fund all the way through till Christmas. And typically in years past, we used to do little competitions and like trash talking. Um, but this year, Sean and I, I said, we're not rivals anymore. We're just buddies. So there's none of that. It's just all love and good feels. And I'm very happy to give an update, which is that we are already up to 160 euros of donations, including an anonymous 100 euro donation. That's huge. That's amazing. So if you also want to donate, you can head on over to thegermanyexperiencede slash p slash charity 2022. And there you'll find all the information and a link to donate. All right, second update is, this is kind of crazy, but I just picked up my permanent residency today. Things have been really, really crazy on my end. And I almost completely lost track of this whole process. And then I looked at my calendar today and was like, oh, shoot, I have to be at the foreigner's office at 845 to pick it up. And then I went and I just, I just picked it up. I just, it, it just, I don't know, like, this is such a huge thing. And it happened so casually. And of course, you know, it's Germany. There's, there's no fanfare. There was no, like, congratulations. He just handed me a card. It looks identical to my previous cards. It just, one word has changed. It says, niederlassungserlaubnis. Yeah, it's something I'm pretty proud to say I, I accomplished all on my own. It's kind of a big moment for me. And because life's been so chaotic, it, it went by without me even, like, acknowledging it. So at least I can share on the podcast. <laughs> you guys have been with me through a lot over the past couple years. And yeah. I thought maybe you'd like to know. Yeah, girl's a permanent (laughs) residence. All right, with that, let's get into this week's episode. We are going to hear from Aditi. She is from India and is currently living in Erlangen, Germany, but she's lived a lot of places on the way and has a lot of experience and life lessons she has picked up. I really needed this conversation. It was very inspiring and motivating and calming, I think. It's maybe the right word. So without further ado, enjoy the episode.
1: I am Aditi Sharma. I am originally from um, India, and I come from a town called Panipat, based in the state of Haryana. It's a very small town. Uh, at the moment, I am based in Erlangen, in Germany. I think it's about one year or three, to four months now that I'm here.
0: Okay, and I know from talking to you before, there's been a couple stops along the way. <laughs> so let's go ahead and give me the full bullet points resume of where you've lived and been between your hometown and mm-hmm. Erlangen.
1: Even before Europe, I think it started in India itself. Um, I moved away from my hometown when I was 18 to pursue my bachelor's. And from there, I was really switching cities like every six to seven months. So, I mean, going from Panipat to Chandigarh, to to Pune, to Mumbai, to Ahmedabad. And in between all this, I stumbled upon uh, the opportunity to be in, in Europe and i started off with switzerland and i was super super excited off because this was my first time abroad so during my master's uh, in amdabad from india that i was pursuing i did a semester exchange in switzerland and i was there for about seven to eight months and coincidentally another workshop regarding my course aligned immediately after that and i was in us for a month and a half um, in cincinnati uh, also in california and once I was back, I really couldn't stop thinking about the fact that I want to move to Europe. There was there was something that just drew me back here. And I, I really had to like even though I was working there for a bit in India for two to three years, there was a time when I, I suddenly was unemployed and was trying to find my way out of um being unemployed and pursuing what I wanted to pursue. And during that time, I got an opportunity also to be in Austria briefly, to present my research paper. And that trip really reinforced my motivation to be back in Europe. And as it was supposed to be, the next year, I, I got my admission in Polytechnical di Milano, and I was in Milan. Even then, <laughs> somehow Germany had a stronghold for me, and I was trying all my ways to be here in Germany. And as it was manifested, if I can call it that, I found an internship in Alangen, and I'm here ever since.
0: Weirdly, I'm like distracted by like a logistical question. Were you just moving mm-hmm. around with like a suitcase of just your your clothes <laughs> and your laptop?
1: I wish that was truly cool uh, but no. <laughs> I had more than <laughs> one suitcase, and I was <laughs> I was always quite a mess with my stuff uh, because even after all this while, you'll be surprised to you know I still can't manage to keep one suitcase. I think the one thing that I did learn over time was you can replace literally anything. Materialistic. I I don't mean people. People are irreplaceable. Opportunities are irreplaceable. But materialistic things, you you might have the best thing, but another best thing you can get another year. So for me, I really started to lose value of things around me. So Mm -hmm. if I have to give me my clothes, I was okay with doing that. If I had to give me my most beloved stationery, I was happy to do that. But what I couldn't give away was my books. That's still a pain for me. So they still, I in my in my hometown, I have a really big. Um how do you say a stack of books that my parents (laughs) are quite fed up with but um, it is what it is and that's the one thing I still keep close to my heart
0: that's so relatable and I'm curious if you can also explain a little bit of your career because it sounds like between your studies internships research papers that's Mm -hmm. also been very connected to your moves so what what field are you in what field were you in
1: I think my move as dramatically as I was moving, my career was also moving as dramatically because um I started off my, my bachelor's, my, my educational studies with architecture. So I did my bachelor's in architecture and it was during those uh, four or five years I was really trying to see myself as a good architect that was actually one of the major motivations of moving away from my home into another part of India because I thought this would be a good opportunity for me to to jump out of my comfort zone to see where I fit in. And I moved to Mumbai, I moved to Pune, I did internships um, in interior design, uh, in really hardcore architecture work as well. And while I was pursuing that, I realized I, I really like the field of architecture, but I'm also the sort of person who is quite curious about things. I like to go in depth with things with research. And that's how I I got into my second, uh, sorry, my first master's, which was designed by research in Ahmedabad, which was now another move. And while I was there, I really discovered a, a side to me that I didn't know before, that I was so passionate about the side of research, which, which was coming from my reading habits, which was coming from curiosity, which was coming from asking questions. And those two years really gave me that liberty to to not only identify it, but also build on that, uh, that skill set for myself. And of course, I did many things during that time. I learned about um, interviewing people. I found my love for photography during that time. So it was a lot of unfolding of who Aditi is. Once I did that, I was like, "Yeah, now is the time to to practice this." And I decided to to take up a job as a junior architect in a in a small firm in Pune. While I was doing that, I I really didn't want to lose my my lot my touch with and my love for research. So I was also briefly working as an architectural journalist. I was writing for a couple of online magazines. I was reading things myself, and then. Also, while doing that, I tried to get my research published because I did an independent research of my own for a year, studying gender and architecture in India, which was quite intense. And I wanted to share that with at, as in many platforms as I could. And that's how I got it published uh, in India as well as abroad. But suddenly I realized I, I wasn't enjoying practicing architecture as much. It was a bit Intense for me, the long working hours, the the unrealistic expectations of delivering things. It was it was a bit toxic. That really made me question what should I do next, and that came along with that one year of unemployment, which at that time seemed quite painful, but honestly was the best thing that happened to me. And during that time, I realized, um, okay, I have eleven years of experience. Why don't I build on that into something that? could give me a new direction in life. So I was quite inspired by business innovation and strategic design practices. So I applied for my second master's. It really, really made me realize how good that intuition of mine was to, to use that learning that I already have, the, the experience that I already have and use it somewhere else. It was scary. I'm not going to lie. It was quite scary making that decision. And that brought me into the field of strategic design and business innovation. And now I work as an IT innovation expert, and I've also worked as an innovation community manager at at Siemens Altineers.
0: I feel like it's, it's almost like a double-sided puzzle, you know? Like at the beginning, you, <laughs> you put together this puzzle for us of like different places you've lived and how long. Mm-hmm. And then on the backside of each puzzle piece is... A career move, or a project, or a -hmm. a degree, and they they really align with all of these different moves, and it helps it all come together. I do want to ask. Okay, so when you say like architecture, I'm like, okay, I kind of understand what that is. When you say like design by research, I'm like, okay, I'm following, I'm Mm -hmm. following. But when you say strategic design and and Mm -hmm. innovation, I -hmm. don't think I have a functional understanding of what that means.
1: So design, the field of design teaches you a lot of principles. It teaches you. How to perceive things, how to be observant, how to how to get more acquainted with your users. All these aspects that I learned were transitioned into how do you build businesses. Once I understand your need, I know what to provide you as a service or as a product or as a solution. Did that make sense?
0: Yes, that clears it up a lot. That I feel like now I have a much better sense of not only what it is but also how it totally fits into what you had been doing in the past. Uh, I, I was thinking, though, about your your first phase of a career in architecture. And you, you mentioned this independent research you did about gender in architecture in India. Mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. I'm wondering, I mean, all of the fields that you've described, all of that is like very male-dominated fields. And so how's that yeah. been for you?
1: <laughs> <laughs> I think for the longest time, I have been in that situation where I felt like I was in an, in an environment which was male-dominated. I also emphasize that because I think I come from a society which is very strongly patriarchal. So you take that as a default. Even when when you're growing up or you're seeing people around you, you're seeing work around you, that's what you see and that's what you think your reality is. But as I was moving around, I realized, oh, that's not what the reality is. I am seeing so many strong women around me. Women could also be leading. Women could also be uh, doing wonderful things women could also be multitasking with a perfectly good life with a perfectly good career after I had that realization I was like all right if if this is what another reality can be where does my understanding stand with it or where do I stand with it and that's when my curiosity for gender really really took a toll because then I wanted to understand, why am I feeling lost with the concept of men and women or any other gender for that matter? What taught me to think that way? Why am I thinking this way? Why do other people not think the way, the same way? Or if they do, what is asking us? What is forcing us to think that way? And after having gained that understanding with the years of research that I did, and also I spoke to so many people, try to understand their opinions, I really understood who also I am as a woman. And it was sort of like a self-reflection, a lot of self-awareness, a sort of uh, understanding of what stands true in terms of power dynamics when it comes to gender. And that is something that I keep very, very close to my heart because after having, I'm not saying I'm an expert at this, don't get me wrong, it's just that I'm, I'm trying to be more understanding, trying to be more attentive to details like this because it also affects the way I treat people around me. Having understood that, I'm very cautious that no men or women feel like they have to be dominated or are dominated because of my behavior.
0: Hmm.
1: And that was (laughs) quite a journey for me.
0: (laughs) Yeah, it's taking me a minute to like really process that because it has a lot of impacts, especially in business where, I -hmm. mean... I should start off by saying I'm not involved in the business world, like basically at all yeah. <laughs> and mostly by choice. But what I understand of it is it's a lot of like, you know, the advice is like go in and be the most commanding and demanding mm-hmm. person in the room. And that's how you get mm-hmm. respect. And this is also why I ran as fast as I could in the other direction. Cause I was like, that sounds horrible. No, thank you. <laughs> yeah, um, yeah. And so how is it coming in with, with this other mindset that you just expressed mm-hmm. of not um, dominating and not or not, how did you say it? Can you say it one more time? I lost it.
1: Nobody should feel like they should or have to be dominated in somebody's presence. Yeah. So that that is, that is a lot of, I'm going to emphasize again, it's also a lot of self reflection. The more I speak to people about topics which are as sensitive as gender, I sometimes really, and I'm saddened by this, how unaware all of us are, how uninformed we are about. What kind of impact we create with our everyday lives just conforming to stereotypes or just conforming with general behavior or just giving into things that are, we think are default. That really keeps me on my edge that I'm always questioning my behavior. Hey, would I, do, would I do this the same way if it was a man or if it was a woman or any other gender for that matter? It shouldn't impact. So be careful with the way you speak to people or you behave with people or you... Act around them, or you make your decisions. Because only if I liberate myself from that notion will I be able to liberate other people.
0: And I'm sure there are situations where you're confronted, where you have to work with people who don't feel that, who don't view it the same way, who don't have the same set of information or opinions. Mm-hmm. Um, how do you navigate that?
1: It it makes me very uncomfortable. Uh, sometimes too uncomfortable. I really have to channel my my words very carefully when I'm around these people. If I'm ever in a situation like that, I make sure I talk to someone about it or I get other people involved with me in that experience because I want to understand, is it just me who is perceiving this way or is it also other people? Because if it is other people, why haven't they done anything about it? To give you an example, there was a situation where I was working environment where was where I was around men who really thought that it's not okay to put women on the same pedestal or that women are supposed to be dominated. And really, when I tried to voice that, I had to take repercussions. I had to, to listen to things which were not nice to listen, or I was treated in a way which was not nice. But at the end of the day, you have to tell yourself. It doesn't come from something that you did wrong. It's It comes from other people. It comes from their misunderstanding. It comes from their misjudgment. And you have to tell yourself you are not wrong in asking that. You should ask that because it puts you in the spot where you should be, which is not to be told what you're supposed to do and not supposed to do just because you're a man or a woman or any other gender. So sometimes you have to fight a bit, harder and you might not even succeed but at the end of the day fight for yourself like I said sometimes it was really easy to do that sometimes it was not and I, I really paid my price for it I'm not saying go ballistic on other people and shout like hey you are the worst possible person I ever know <laughs> talk communicate try to tell other person what they're doing is impacting you then ball is in their court you have already told them what makes you uncomfortable about their behavior if they still choose not to do anything about it, it's their decision, their reflection, not yours.
0: You, you have also spent a lot of time in your home country of India, but you've also spent so much time in other places. So in these situations, mm-hmm. you have this additional identity as a foreigner. I, I'd be interested to hear how some of this sort of almost enlightenment, I want to say, about gender topics, if any of that has has bled over into the topic of foreignness.
1: First of all, if you are a foreigner, people already have so many stereotypes about you, and I have faced them many, many times. there's so much more to me and my country and my background, and and the experience that I come with. But you 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 put me in a box. That's a clear sign of how wrong the whole approach is. Is are people just to be defined by by temperature or food or by? things that have been spoken over years and they are now the only things that you know about that country. And for me, that was a hard, hard threshold to cross. I personally felt I had to I had to prove it wrong by doing something more. I had to be the person who was much more than a stereotypical Indian. And I'm not going to lie, for some time, I really didn't even tell people that I was Indian. I didn't want to admit that I was Indian because I was afraid some, some comment is coming my way. Yeah, that that did put a bit of pressure on me to to justify (laughs) my belongingness. And I think that follows you everywhere. No matter where you go, as long as you are outside of your home, outside of your country, you really have to find your place to belong. Sometimes it comes easily. Sometimes you have to remind yourself that this is your place to be and the only belongingness that you need is yourself.
0: Yeah, I mean, I think when you were talking about your experience navigating gender enlightenment, it made me think about some experiences I've had where I feel like, yeah, I mean, of course, I can't ever put a definition on if if the experience I was having was tied to me being a woman, or if it was tied mm-hmm. to me being a foreigner, but um, mm-hmm. something was happening, if something was clearly happening, <laughs> I'll yeah. put it that way. And, um, and sometimes I've, I've struggled with feeling like I have my own knowledge internally, and my own understanding of things. But I'm in an environment and a culture that is very different. And I'm just the pebble being dropped into an ocean, you know, like it just feels completely irrelevant. And it can be very tricky when, you know, for instance, if we stick with the gender topic, I mean, we're we're both based Mm -hmm. in Germany. This is... um, pretty heteronormative society Mm -hmm. by and large tolerance is maybe a different question and if they're tolerant of different expressions of gender or whatnot Mm -hmm. yeah maybe depending on the situation sure but but the culture by and large at least in my understanding and observations is is pretty Mm -hmm. heteronormative so so coming in Mm -hmm. with sort of different understandings of that is it's 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 tricky (laughs) yeah
1: it is it is and it can really make you feel like you are the odd one out right (laughs) And you, you could be any nationality for that matter, but Absolutely. you really feel like you are, the, you are the odd one out. You pointed out something quite strongly, Nicole, there that you question yourself, is it because I'm a woman or is it because I'm a foreigner or is it because I don't speak the language or is it because I don't understand the same things? And then you really begin to question your identity. And that is a very wonderful experience to go through. Where you really begin to question who the hell am I?
0: Actually, that just brought me back to something you said at the beginning that you can always replace your physical belongings,
1: mm-hmm. but
0: you can't replace the people. Maybe this is a weird question, and maybe this is too spontaneous <laughs> to spring on you. But I'm just thinking you've yes. been so many between all the different cities and mm-hmm. even countries that you've lived, you've you've met a lot of people, and I'm wondering if yeah. you could just give us like a little smattering of like some of. The people that have impacted you the most
1: this is how grateful i am that this question actually is being asked to me for the third time now wow uh, somehow <laughs> even even in the in, even in the yoga class today um uh, the teacher was uh, while we were in a silent meditation he he asked to think out to ourselves um who are the special people that you would like to thank uh, this year who made your journey worthwhile nicole i couldn't name one person because there were too many oh <laughs> (laughs) (laughs) That was that was the best part about it. And I'm super grateful about it. But but just to give you an example, to talk about my experiences and people that I've met. uh, When I was in Milan, I I lived in an apartment. uh, We were too many people. I think I was in an apartment where we, we were, I think, six or seven of us together. I met there some of the nicest people that I know. Who strongly stood by me? We we ate dinners together. We watched movies together. We did the stupidest of things together, like taking walks in the in the park, going to Duomo, getting a gelato in the middle of the night, <laughs> um, or just like listening to to Italian songs and 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 talking about Italian culture, or even traveling across Italy. It's a beautiful country. So when I moved to to Germany, uh, my previous flatmates that I was living with an Indian guy and a German guy. Uh, both of them were really like, they made the home home for me. And undoubtedly, my parents, my friends back at home, every single time that I've spoken to them, they really keep reminding me of all the things that I've been through and what better things lie ahead of me. Truth is, they were with me when in the hardest of days. That's why when I when I'm in a better place, I can really see how much strength they gave me that I could be in a better place yeah that's
0: really beautiful and I think it's a beautiful thought to have coming into this end of the year season I mean
1: yeah absolutely and this this all these years of living abroad I think I have sort of turned myself delusional Uh, I, I hate to call it myself like that but I really turned myself delusional into always looking for positive in life and people even in that moment when it feels like hey I don't think anybody is with me you come out of that situation and if you look back there are always people around you and there's always positivity around you it's it's all a matter of seeing
0: taking a step back and looking at all of these experiences you've had like what are Mm -hmm. the messages that you want to share about what what you've learned going through these career shifts these location shifts and
1: Mm -hmm. learning
0: how to recenter within yourself and then express that outwards. So that's a huge journey you've been on in life. And what, what are your takeaways? What would you like to share about that?
1: One of the things that I think I will never change no matter where I go and no matter how old I get really love yourself first. I don't know what it is, but we are super harsh on ourselves. We are super self-critical, super self-analytical, but Accept yourself for who you are, and it's a very, very painful journey to accept who you are. You begin to see yourself in the mirror as raw as it gets. There are parts of you that you will find that you like, that you dislike, things that you wish were different, things that you wish you could improve, and you should. But accepting who you are in the first place is really the beginning of being more centered with yourself, because I think that's one thing. I'm really trying to do for myself as well, but it's like I said, it's super painful and that should continue as long as you're breathing.
0: I I wish we had like four hours because you have so many different elements to your experiences. And I I do want to not only stay at the macro level, but also get micro Mm -hmm. and talk about like each individual era, but we dysfunctionally we can't right now. And so I'm, I'm, my questions keep going like all over the place in my mind. Like I, There's just so many things I want to know. <laughs> am, and another one that I'm thinking is, I feel like another really key aspect of what,
1: mm-hmm. what,
0: what your short story really shows me is, like, I don't know, sometimes when you are living far from home and you're building this mm-hmm. new life for yourself, you might feel like you have limited possibilities, right? And so you have to just take mm-hmm. what you can get and make the most of it. But Mm -hmm. what I've heard from your story is like, yeah, that's true. And you can work hard and push through and all that. But also you can also say, hey, this isn't what's working for me. And you can figure out what is and take a step towards that, even if it means a big change, even if it means getting rid of your clothes again so that you can move to a different place and restart there or even getting a second master's. I mean, I know some people who want to do that Mm -hmm. now with their education, but they think, oh, I already have Mm -hmm. a degree of this level. I don't want to like quote unquote restart, you know, but they mm-hmm. do want to. But it's just some yeah. some hang up about it. So what I really mm-hmm. appreciate about what you've shared is is how you took those moments and said, no, I I, I can I can shift. I can refocus. Mm-hmm. So I guess the question of that is what are some ways that you recognize in those moments, like, yeah, it's getting time to make a shift. It's it's mm-hmm. not in the the zone of like, yeah, push through and persevere, but rather we're entering mm-hmm. the zone of it's time to reconsider.
1: Oh, that's, that's a very nice question, Golan. I love the way you put it because I didn't see it that way. <laughs> <laughs> but honestly, I have to say for me, this realization came in not a good way. Um, so I keep referring to the year that I was unemployed. Um, that was because I was in a job that really, but when I say really, it made me miserable. I didn't like the work, I didn't like what I was doing, I didn't like my environment. Nothing about that year made me happy, nothing. And it was so bad that all I wanted to do was quit everything, go home and not talk to anyone. And that's literally what happened. I quit the job and I told my parents, I'm gonna take some time off because I have to understand what was making me unhappy. Was it the work that I was doing? Was it the people? Was it myself? Because I can't seem to understand what it was. And then when I took time off, I started looking for another job. I couldn't find one. Initially, I was really caught up in the phase of, hey, I'm not getting a job, I'm getting rejections. And that was, that was six months of more than 100 rejections. It was very tough to, to comprehend what was going on. And this is the time when you're in a phase like this, you really begin to question yourself. And you start losing your confidence, your self-worth, everything that you have built up to, to until that point starts to fall apart to the point where you stop believing in life. You stop believing in anything positive can ever come your way. And that's exactly what was happening to me. Everything that I believed in went for a toss. And guess what happened, Nicole? After one year of being in this situation, I had nothing else to lose. I had nothing else to lose. There was nothing, no more at stake. There was no job. There was no life there. All right, I have disconnected from my friends. I'm not talking to anyone. I don't have a job. I'm just living with my parents. My biggest fear of being unemployed and living with my parents is happening since a year. So, all right, what's next? What is, what worse thing can happen than this? Another rejection? That happened too. The day I was thinking all this, I got an email which told that I got rejected by a job again. In that moment, I really, really lost my will for everything. And that was a phase I lasted in for more than a month, where I thought, all right, this is it. I have no more motivation, no more passion, no more... I don't see a future for myself, not even for a single second. I really cannot even remember what day it was or who came or how I came across... But there's an author called David Coggins, and he has written this book called Can't Hurt Me. It was by chance, I really can't remember how, but I stumbled upon that book, and I began to read it. As I read through, I realized, aha, I'm always victimizing myself. I'm always telling myself, so and so thing did not happen to me because I was in that situation, or people don't like me, or I didn't get the job, or I got rejections. It was all I, 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 all the things that were coming from me, which were negative. And that book made me realize, all right, if you have lost everything, what do you want to do now? Now that you have nothing to lose, what do you want to do? And that was the moment I thought to myself, okay, now that I've understood, I not only, I don't like my my job of being an architect, I want to be in a place where I can be independent. I want to be another T who can make decisions for herself which are fulfilling. I want to become another T who is emotionally stable. I want to be a person who doesn't lose motivation in life. I want to be someone who is able to socialize with people because when I'm talking about this year, I was really an introvert. Like I would go sit with people and not talk for years. In a group of 10, you would barely hear my sound. And I wanted to break all that. I, I didn't want to be that person anymore. And in that moment when I realized, okay, now is my chance to do so. Because what worse can happen than this? And I said, okay, Aditi, if you want to change yourself, you have to really start changing things about yourself. Starting from, stop seeing yourself as a person who is incapable. I didn't know what my capability was going to be, but I really had to restart. So restart it was. I started setting goals for myself, but this time the goals were more realistic, not like I have to earn a million dollars by the end of this year, no. My goals were more like visions. Like I said, I want to be another who is emotionally stable or financially independent. Then I started working towards those visions. I didn't want to put a number or a date or a timeline on myself because that really puts you under the pressure of performing under that time, which is what most people do. Like, by this time, I have to be able to do this. Why? Who tells you that? You could be successful at the age of 60. Who's stopping you? So I really started focusing on things that I wanted to improve myself as a person. So starting off with becoming social, for example after that realization when i moved to milan if you like all the people that i was in my in my batch with i made an active effort to spend time with them even when i didn't know what i was going to talk about or what i was going to say or or, or i i didn't know but i just had to be present be present and talk and that changed to the point where now I really walk in a room of 100 and I can introduce myself and talk to people. They will give a presentation. I don't care. So that is the kind of change that I'm talking about. So long story short, it takes an effort to realize what do you want to change about yourself and make that change realistic because whatever you believe is your limit is just the beginning of your limit.
0: You speak in such beautiful phrases. (laughs) (laughs) yeah i mean i i had jotted down earlier the places that you lived as you in the order you listed them and i was thinking when you were describing this all with um you know being unemployed back in your parents house all of this it's in the middle of the list like so many more things came after that you've referenced in that since then as being these like Mm -hmm. really wonderful good things and it's nice to hear a story where you know, the struggle's a bit dispersed, you know? Mm -hmm.
1: (laughs) It's not just
0: at the beginning. Like you said, someone can be successful at 60 and someone can have these kind of challenges and end up back at home in the parents' house also at any age. That's not only for, you know, teenagers or people in their early 20s. Like, things happen when they happen. And I really like what you said about letting go of a timeline, you know, both for your improvement and also for the Mm -hmm. times in life that you stumble.
1: Absolutely. And... Really, that all, all this has taught me one thing, it's, it's not a bad thing to fail, it's best if you fail, because failure allows you to be brave. Not many people around you, many people that I know are brave enough to fail.
0: Well, and I want to say, as we as we start to round things up, thank you for being brave enough to fail and and brave enough to share <laughs> about it.
1: <laughs> Happily, thank you so much for this opportunity. I mean, this this really is for anybody who's out there trying to figure their lives out. You are not alone.
0: With those beautiful words, let's round the corner and head to home with the ending segment, which is called Zack, Zack, Zack. So it's a rapid fire question round where I ask you three questions where you answer without thinking it, overthinking it. Just go with your gut. Are you ready? Okay. Yes. Of all the places you've been to, whether you lived there or you traveled there, what's your Mm -hmm. favorite country or place to be for winter?
1: For winter? I think I have to say I really like Austria in winters.
0: As we both know, Germany goes all in for the Christmas season. And one of my favorite things is all of the snacks that they put up at the grocery store. Mm-hmm. Um, so question number two, what is your Christmas season go-to impulse buy at the grocery store? <laughs>
1: <laughs> um, I have to say Lepkuchen. Yeah. <laughs> because it's, it's, it's super, super nice. But another thing that I absolutely love is Caramel Tea. It's by Ellis Caramel Tea. And a little bit of honey, that caramel and in cooking, I am the happiest kid in this world.
0: <laughs> that sounds so <laughs> delicious.
1: <laughs> yeah, it is, it is.
0: And finally, what is one thing that you hope to do before the end of the year?
1: Oh, um, the year end is almost here. Uh, I think I want to finish the three books on my nightstand. Three, <laughs> Yeah, yeah. And I'm reading all three of them at the same time, because they have a lot of common intersection. And it's really nice to bridge what I'm reading in one book to another. So I want to finish all three of them before this year ends.
0: I mean, that sounds amazing. But we do only have a couple weeks left of the year. So I'm, I mean, I'm yeah. off for it, go for it. But... uh it's an ambitious goal.
1: Ambitious <laughs> one, yeah, yeah.
0: But you're an ambitious woman, so you know what? It <laughs> makes sense.
1: We'll see about that.
0: <laughs> aditi, where can people find you?
1: People can find me on LinkedIn. People can email me or also find me on Instagram. So, uh, in terms of LinkedIn, it's aditi uh, minus s uh, minus work. Um, on email it's ar.aditi.shirma at the and on instagram you can find me on my small photography page <laughs> underscore travel underscore snippets
0: a big thank you one more time for coming onto the show it was an absolute pleasure to talk to you
1: likewise nicole and thank you so much you have some really intriguing questions thank you for asking them
0: <laughs> <laughs> i hope i didn't uh, activate your mind too much before before bed but <laughs> oh yeah if i'm if
1: i'm suffering insomnia tonight it's because of you <laughs> you'll
0: know who to blame <laughs> exactly <laughs> thank you one more time aditi for coming onto the show links to where you can find her are in the show notes while you're at it, you can make sure you're following me on Instagram at TheExpatCast, and you can visit me online at TheExpatCast.com. Don't forget to donate for Fogapadfo, the annual Advent season charity donation that I do with Sean of the Germany Experience. The link to that is also in the show notes, and really every euro counts. And if you're still looking for something to do on your phone, you can leave me a rating and a review. Leave me some stars. Leave a little note about what you love about the show. That is a huge way that you can help sustain and grow the show. As always, I want to thank Amy Lungy Art for the logo and side hug for the theme music. They're on Instagram at a hug from the side. On Thursday, we'll be back in your feeds with an episode about how to make and sustain friends abroad. Till then, have a wonderful week. Bis dann. Tschüss.